You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is Jonathan will never catch up on all of the geeky media he hasn't watched yet, Strickland. That is the most apt name you have ever given me. (laughs) And Ariel, for you, I have a question. What is is your favorite fictional spaceship. The TARDIS. Uh, Do you really think of the TARDIS as a spaceship? It's the TARDIS. I mean, okay, that's fair. I I should yes and. I shouldn't deny. (laughs) Fine. TARDIS. Moya. Moya, interesting. Okay, cool. I see where you're going. Both are sentient. Yeah, I was about to say, you're going with the sentient uh, spaceships. That's interesting. So you're, you're like... You like the spaceships that are kind of characters. Yeah, I mean, 2001 A Space Odyssey aside, like being alone in space is super sad. So you really want something that can like interact with you and and keep you company. So uh, for those who don't know, Moya is a Leviathan, which is a sentient ship that the uh, crew 
in the show Farscape Travel On. Farscape is a great show. This is this is fascinating to me. It really I I did not expect that answer, and it's a really like this makes me want to jump into a geek conversation. But that's for <laughs> later in the episode, and we're not even talking about spaceships. Then the I thing mean, that prompted this was that you know NASA landed the Perseverance rover on Mars recently, mm-hmm. so it just got me thinking about spaceships. Um, what like? is what is your spaceship then? So they're two. And they're from uh, the two big star franchises. So mm-hmm. from Star Wars, the TIE Interceptor is my. Oh, nice. it, yeah, it's just it looks wicked. But then my favorite Star Trek spaceship is the USS Reliant, which is mm-hmm. the uh, the ship that Khan flies in the Wrath of Khan. It's the one that has the disc and the two nacelles are underneath it and. I always just thought that that was such a cool ship design. It is, but doesn't it make you like a villain just to fly it? I mean, Tie Interceptor is my other favorite one. Yeah, so, true. like, that's true. You know, I, the bad guys get get really cool spaceships. I mean, that's it's not my fault. They 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 spend all of their money on R and D and not enough on like therapy. Uh- <laughs> it's it's all on aesthetics and none of it's on shields. That's the real problem. <laughs> But today we've got a lot of stories to cover and then we have a conversation and then a mashup, believe it or not. So I guess like a regular episode. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, not like last episode where it was all news, but let's go ahead and jump into the news. Starting with uh, San Diego Comic-Con officially announced Monday of the week that we're recording this, that they are not having their in-person convention, at least not at the normal time, they might look at something smaller or different in November. Yeah. And this isn't a huge surprise. Uh, also, E3 and Anime Expo, while they have not, as we're recording this, they have not officially come out and said anything, but the city of Los Angeles has no booking for them, and mm-hmm. that would happen if they were really going to be happening in person. Um, E3, not a big surprise. Actually, I think E3, it would... I'll be curious to see if E3 ever comes back as a real physical event anyway, because that was already kind of on the fade out before the pandemic hit. You couldn't really go there unless you were media, right? Well, you couldn't. But then a couple of years ago, they opened it up where they sold tickets to the public. But that meant that if you were media and you were trying to cover the event, it suddenly got much harder to get your hands on anything because there were just so many people there. But yeah. E3 had been kind of suffering for a while. uh, And there are a lot of folks in the video game space who think it may not ever come back, not in the form that it used to have, especially since a lot of these companies have found it easier to hold their own press events. They're not, you know, beholden to a specific schedule or anything. And Anime Expo, they haven't announced anything, but they did do a virtual event last year. So chances are we're going to see something like that again this year. Uh, Personally, while I totally understand how it's a bummer if you were really hoping to go to one of these things. I think it's the best idea to have because we are not by any stretch of the imagination out of the woods as far as COVID is concerned. So we understand the bummer, but I think Mm -hmm. that this was the right call. I do as well. You know, if, if we do it 
virtual this year. Hopefully by next year, we'll be back, we'll be back to in person, at least for Comic-Con. I know that, you know, people really like having that camaraderie of being in the convention hall and dressing up and all that. Yeah. Not, it's not nearly as social as Dragon Con. We've gone over that before, so I will digress. Uh, and we'll move on to um, our next bit of news, which is all of the trailers ever. Well, not all. We picked a few trailers that came out this week that we liked. We got a, um, we got a whole convoy of trailers. <laughs> Con, convoy. Okay. Yes, we do. And the first one is Army of the Dead, which both Jonathan and I separately watched and said, huh, this looks like Dead Rising the movie. It, um, I mean, it really does. Like, mm-hmm. I I didn't even see your note. when, when And so I had just turned it on and watched it, and I thought, is this actually Dead Rising instead of another of the dead series. Mm-hmm. So Snyder had previously done the remake of Dawn of the dead. Yes. Uh, which is the one that's set in the shopping mall. And now he just decided, what if we do that again, but you know, bigger and set it in Las Vegas. And so army of the dead takes place in sin city, Las Vegas. And, um, it does look like, it looks like dead rising. It does. Honestly though, it looks so I, <laughs> Surprise, surprise. I never watched Dawn of the Dead. I know I need to. I need to watch. You need to watch the original Dawn of the Dead. The The second Dawn of the Dead is the remake isn't necessarily bad. It just kind of it it kind of turns everything into an action movie as opposed to like a social commentary movie. I I didn't even watch Evil Dead until the last 10 years. So (laughs) uh, but it is on my list. You know, I do feel like that is a piece of media that I just I. I am lacking having not watched it. Um, but this looks kind of tongue in cheek and I, the trailer makes me want to watch it. And so, you know, after we, we talk about, uh, Zack Snyder, after Jonathan and I have, have been less than excited about the Zack Snyder justice league, uh, cut, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be excited about something that he's working on coming out. He really does great visuals and action scenes and all that. And this movie, will really bode well for that. Yeah. It it looks like it's going to have some very entertaining visuals in it. I am not yet sold on it. I mean, I like a lot of the people who are in it, uh, but Mm -hmm. I, I'm not yet sold on it. I'll have to wait and look for another trailer. I got to say it definitely was better than one of the other trailers you sent me that we aren't talking about, which is called the rookies. Uh, If you do want to watch the rookies trailer, just watch that. You know, like it, it, we, we aren't going to cover it. But it you have to see it to really appreciate how bad it looks. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, maybe I'll add that in our show notes as a bonus on our episode, www.largenerdrawncollider.com this week. All right, so the next trailer we've got to talk about is Shadow and Bone. And this is, there was a teaser that came out a while ago for mm-hmm. it that really showed absolutely nothing. And I was like, oh, another YA fantasy, blah, blah. But this trailer actually looks pretty good to me. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's it based off of book series and mm-hmm. I have never read the book series. So I came into this not knowing anything about what it was, what I should expect to see, but the visuals were really interesting. And moreover, I don't know if you scrolled down to look at any of the comments. I was curious, mm-hmm. but the comments I saw were really positive. Like people who were big fans of the books seem genuinely excited by the trailer and seem to feel like it is capturing what made them love the books. And to me, that is the best praise you can give any adaptation. I, I agree. You know, I like, I like the cast in it. I, it, 
it, it, it looks like a, a take on the classic good light versus dark theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it just looks, it looks like a, a fun fantasy to jump into. Uh, also super fun. The trailer for Luca. Yeah. I, so I, <laughs> I forgot that this was going to be a thing. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a Pixar film and Luca, like it starts off showing a young boy making friends with others in uh, Italy and having little like childhood adventures. And at first you just figure like, this is going to be like a fun little child adventure coming of age kind of story uh, until there's a big twist in the middle of the trailer that I was not expecting. So I was very surprised and I thought, Oh, so it it is a Pixar movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the, the middle of the trailer spoiler, if you haven't watched the trailer, is they turn into like amphibian merpeople, which made my little aerial heart squee and my little, my not so little aerial mouth squee as well out loud. Um, it just, it looks, obviously there's got to be some sort of um, conflict in this movie, but it just looks so fun. Yeah, the trailer does seem to indicate that the people of the little Italian village uh, have a a a hard um uh hatred of sea monster ish things Mm -hmm. and so the two boys clearly are trying to uh, hide as humans while they explore their little adventures up on the shore um and of course if they get hit by water then they immediately and i mean instantaneously transform (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, spa- splash on speed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it looks cute. It does. Now maybe it'll be, maybe it'll have a super dark turn. I mean, the theme song is uh, "You Are My Sunshine," which is remarkably peppy and dark. So yes, uh, something else that looks peppy and dark in a hilarious yeah. way. This was something that that Ariel sent me a link to. Or, couple days ago, I want to say, and said that you, mm-hmm. I absolutely had to watch it, but yes. I did not watch it until ju- working on this episode. Jonathan. It's the trailer for Modoc. Modoc being a villain in, mm-hmm. uh, in Marvel. This is the more traditional version of Modoc, which looks like a big floating head with little bitty arms and legs poking out. Like an angry marshmallow. Voiced by Patton Oswalt. Uh, you know what it really reminded me of? It reminded me of Robot Chicken, Robot Chicken. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is stop animation. Uh, and, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it is dark. It's on Hulu. It's not on Disney Plus, despite being a Marvel property. Um, but it doesn't look, it looks the right amount of adult cheeky for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't look like it's trying to be too edgy, Not like not, always sunny in Philadelphia level of edgy, just, just edgy enough to be adult humor. Um, and it's Patton Oswald. So, um, I'm all about it. Yeah, no, it looks like it's going to be pretty funny. Very, very much in the style of, uh, like we were saying robot chicken. I think about whenever robot chicken does an episode in which there's like, um, uh, Cobra commander or Skeletor, it's kind of that version of a villain. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And our last piece of news is that there is a new Superman movie coming out. Um, maybe one that Jonathan can finally get behind. 
Yeah, this one, uh, I saw the news and thought it was really interesting. And it's a, a, a version of Superman that would be produced by J.J. Abrams, which could go either way for me. Uh, I like some of Abrams' work and some of the others I, I, I'm not so crazy about. They've got Ta-Nehisi Coates writing the screenplay. Uh, as we're recording this, there's no director yet attached to it but it has raised a lot of speculation as to what this is actually going to be like for, um, you know, in the, in the DC universe. First of all, I don't think it's going to be connected to the DC EU stuff like justice league. It might be more like a Joker type movie. Yeah. It, but hopefully a lot more positive. Yes. I, I really do think like, like in my opinion, that actually ends up being a plus for this project in that, DC has already established that it's making a lot of films that don't connect directly into the over overarching storyline. So, um, I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, I mean, it really should be the DC EMU, yes. which is the multiverse DC extended multi universe. universe. Got yeah. It. So what I hope to see from this is a version of Superman that is, you know, heroic and inspirational. And one of the, the rumors has been that there's a great possibility that, uh, they will be making a, um, uh, this with a, a, a black actor playing Superman. So we would get a black Superman. And to me, that's really exciting. It's really an interesting idea to take that approach and create a heroic character that an entire section of the population has never been able to see portraying Superman playing that role yeah. and being truly inspirational. I think that has a lot of opportunities to it. Now there are a couple of uh, black Supermans in DC already. Uh, Calvin Ellis is one, Val Zada is another, there's a third who I can't remember. So uh, I do know that there's also rumor that Michael B. Jordan has stated an interest in playing Calvin Ellis in the past. So I, I would be happy to see that casting. Yeah, that would be really, that'd be really interesting too. Uh, I, I can't wait to learn more about this particular version of Superman. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it really does have me looking forward to it. I'm hopeful that it will be a more coherent story than some of the other DC movies we we've seen. Like the first wonder woman was pretty good. Um, apart from the third act, which I thought kind of fell apart. Mm -hmm. The second wonder woman was not as good in my opinion. Aquaman was entertaining, but also kind of a messy film. I want to see a good tight inspirational story. Yeah. Hopefully JJ Abrams will go closer to star Wars or Marvel and less towards lost. Agreed. And on that note, I think it's time for us to take a quick break. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. 
So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay, now it's time for our conversation. And this is one that we kind of had sort of sitting, waiting for us to to dive into because it was one of those early topics that we said we should tackle at some point. And it's about darker video games and games that, that in particular ask you, the player, to do some pretty nefarious and dark stuff. And how does that make you feel as a player? So first Ariel, do you ever play any games where you're playing either as a character who has to do some pretty questionable things or is outright 
a bad guy? Uh, so it's no surprise that I've played Mass Effect and you do have the option of taking noble choices or kind of nefarious choices. Um, you kind of end in the same place regardless, but your journey there is different. I tend to, with those, usually, unless it's something that really speaks to my barbarian heart, pick the neutral or the the positive choice as opposed to the negative darker choice. But I will say that um, I've played a whole bunch of of the Star Wars RPG, Knights of the Old Republic, I think. And um, I I have like five light side and five dark side characters. Like it's, I, I like I like playing the gamut there, but there's also, it's also very fantasy and sci-fi. It's not um, very real life stakes. I, I think with, games that are are closer to reality i i like playing the good guy i don't there's enough darkness in the world i don't like playing villains what about you jonathan mr i'd fly a villain spaceship it's really interesting that you said that because knights of the old republic was actually one of the games i was going to cite as one where i physically feel bad when i play on the dark side like i've i tried to do it to get achievements and stuff but i didn't like it uh, Knights of the Old Republic actually has a thing. It's kind of like Fable, too. Fable had this same sort of mechanic where your character's appearance changes as you go further to one extreme or the other. So the more to the light side you go, the more you kind of get this ethereal glow about you. The more to the dark side you go, you get like these nasty looking veins on your face and you are glowing red and that kind of stuff. And moreover, I mean, apart from the aesthetics, you obviously have to make choices that lead you down these pathways. And even though it's fantasy, (laughs) even though it's Star Wars, even though I like the bad guys spaceships, I didn't like having to make bad choices. Uh, It's very weird because it depends on the game. Um, for instance, I'm playing through the Hitman series. The I was about to say. The more recent Hitman series. I've been playing through that. Now, you could argue, yeah, all your targets are bad people. Like, you are being, you're sent out to get them, but the game also goes to great lengths to explain. These are bad people. They're like human traffickers or they're, you know, weapons dealers or whatever. So you don't feel as badly about executing them in increasingly over the top ways, but you should feel a little bad. You should. I mean, the character you're playing is a sociopath. He has no emotion whatsoever. So, you know, you're, but it's kind of weird to play in that. Cause I mean, obviously I have emotions. There are times in Hitman where either something I'll do will go wrong and I'll accidentally kill someone besides my target. And I feel terrible, even though it's just a fake character, right? Or mm-hmm. I kill my target in such a visceral way that I flinch, right? Even though it's not like over the top gruesome and uh, gory, I still have that reaction. Uh, And one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is that, so the last of us is a game where you, you have to make some pretty tough choices. And in fact, some of them aren't even up to your choice. And the last of us, I would say last of us is just pretty tough. Yeah. Period. Right. Yeah. I mean, like there there's the ending of the first game has the, the main character makes a decision that you don't really get a, a hand in. Not really. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's gruesome, but then that's what 
precipitates all the action of the last of us part two. And I'm not going to get into all of the last of us two, like all the story or anything, but something that I found really difficult to handle with the last of us two is that the messaging seemed to be that violence and revenge begets more violence and revenge. And it becomes this self-perpetuating cycle Mm -hmm. and that it's trying to teach you the lesson of this is, you know, this, this pathway is destructive and it leads to more misery, but it never gives you the option to not follow that pathway. Yeah. And, and and these games get pretty graphic too, right? Yeah, yeah. But see, for me, it's not even so much the graphic as it is is it, it's the basic ethics and morality, right? If if the point of the game is to say violence is not the answer, but it forces you to commit the violent acts in order to progress the story, then the game is guilty of making you do the thing that the game says is bad, right? Like it doesn't give you the freedom to say okay, let's figure out a different approach. Like you don't have that freedom. You have to learn the lesson, even if you already know the lesson. And that to me is problematic. I don't even like games where you, so like Fallout, which is a a lot less dire than Last of Us. Uh, There are certain quest lines that, you know, you can say, I'm always going to make the right choice, but then you can't complete that quest if you don't make a wrong choice. I just, I don't like the game dictating my character's morality to me. Um, it's kind of why I don't play Grand Theft Auto is because I feel like my, there's already a morality that's dictated to me just by starting to play the game. I know there are lots of great people who play the game. I just don't like the content. Well, I mean, you make a great point, though, because Grand Theft Auto in the fifth game, there is a sequence that you have to do. It's part of the, the storyline where you're playing a character who has to torture someone. And you don't have an option in this. I mean, the options you do have is that you have to choose two out of three possible torture methods, but all three are terrible. So you you're watching as the character you're playing, you know, you get to choose which of the 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 three you're going to use next on this, this other character who hasn't done anything wrong. They just happen to know some information. Um, and then you go through and torture. And again, you're playing a character who just is more or less not a sociopath. He's a psychopath. You're playing a character who is a psychopath. Um, Mm. but I hated that section. And maybe that was the point was to kind of like to, to take away the element of using torture as entertainment. I felt kind of similar. This isn't a video game, but I felt kind of similar whenever I would watch 24. Because mm-hmm. inevitably, in every season of 24, there was a point where the main character, Jack Bauer, would end up torturing someone in order to get information because he just didn't have the time. I mean, obviously, he's only got 24 hours. It's in the name of the yeah. show. But yeah. like it, it was somehow presenting that as an acceptable means of getting information. And that always mm-hmm gave me a horrible icky feeling. I get the same feeling when I play these games. So, yeah. And again, I'm not I'm not passing judgment on people who love to play these games. It's more that I find it interesting that, you know, I I have this very visceral reaction to games that force you to make these choices. Um to the point where like I, there are games that I I stopped playing and I never finished because 
I was like, I don't like the way I feel when I play this. I have a limited number of hours I can dedicate to things like playing games. And I play games in order to have a good time. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, same. Like, there are so many kinds of games because there are just so many kinds of, so many people like so many different kinds of storytelling, right? So, and there, then there are some people who play games for the mechanics. Mm-hmm. I don't play games for the mechanics. I play games for the story. And while I want an emotional journey, I want a release from real life when I'm playing a video game usually. Yeah. Um, and so things, things even like uh, Call of Duty or Division or stuff like that, you know, well, they're perfectly fine games. And I realize some people prefer fiction to science fiction. Um, I'm just not one of them. Totally. And, you know, there's some games out there that really make morality a central part of the game. The example mm-hmm. I put in our notes was Ultima 4. Ultima 4 is a game where if you aren't trying to be as close to perfect as you possibly can be, you literally cannot win the game because you have to be the avatar that represents uh, these. I believe there are eight virtues. And if you if you end up taking shortcuts, you literally can't complete the game because you aren't uh, upholding that virtue. And uh, some of the virtues actually have a little bit of a conflict with each other. So it's a little tricky to navigate, but that's the whole point. And I thought that was fascinating that the game made that a central mechanic that uh, it was bucking the trend because at the time when Ultima four came out, most uh, computer role-playing games didn't really care if you played it like you were the virtuous knight or if you were a yeah. raving psychopath just slaughtering towns. Like, the game mm-hmm. didn't didn't register that as being better or worse or different. So it was a very uh, new approach to games, and we've seen a lot of that since then. But I am curious about our listeners, if if you guys play games... Are there games where you actually enjoy playing the bad guy? Again, I'm not judging. It's just, I've tried. Like, I just can't. The closest I can get are games like TIE Fighter, where I am playing a bad guy, technically. Yeah. But I'm shooting spaceships. I'm not I'm not being terrible to people. Now, it is interesting, because when I LARP, I really enjoy, and, and when I act, I love playing bad guys. Because from a from an acting perspective, it's, they're... They tend to have a lot more intricacies and odd twists and turns, but I, I don't, I don't know what that line is for me. Yeah. Same here. I mean, granted, like when I play a villain, I typically am playing a villain in a comedic uh, context. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that I'm a bad guy. I'm a silly bad guy. And those, I like playing those a lot. Uh, I don't know how good I would be at playing like a dramatic villain, maybe something Shakespearean, uh, probably not as far as Iago, maybe Don John, you know, Iago light. I could maybe do that. I could see that. But, uh, while we debate on which villains we should play in our next, you know, theatrical production, whenever that can happen, we were good. We're going to take a quick break and come back with a super special mashup. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. 
Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hey, Ariel. Hey, Chum. You, uh, you want to explain... Not just which two properties we're mashing up, but why these two properties the ones we're mashing sure. up. Sure. So, right after we recorded last week's episode, uh, as is always the case, uh, the cast of Spider-Man came out and started posting p- some pictures from set and some possible titles for Spider-Man 3. Uh, so there was Spider-Man Homewrecker... Is that it? Yeah. Spider-Man phone home. And Spider-Man home slice. Spider-Man home slice. Which is a pizza place in Austin, Texas. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, we knew next day we were going to get the actual title, title, which is Spider-Man No Way Home. 
but Amblin came back and said, hey, Marvel, we've already done this with the phone home thing. Um, and that was really funny. And then somebody made a poster of Spider-Man and E.T. touching a finger. And I said, well, this is an easy mashup for the next week. And so that's what we're doing. Yes. And uh, just a quick side note, something else that is related to this sort of is that Sam Raimi is directing the next uh, Doctor Strange movie. And obviously the Spider-Man movie is going to have some multiverse components to it, which this mm-hmm. title release was kind of a, a, a nod to that. But Sam Raimi also is well, really well known for his collaborations with Bruce Campbell, the actor. And Bruce Campbell showed up in the Spider-Man movies that Sam Raimi directed. Now it sounds like Bruce Campbell is hinting that he shot a sequence for the Doctor Strange movie. So, again, with the multiverse stuff, this all makes sense. Maybe we're going to see one of Bruce Campbell's many characters that he's played (laughs) in the Spider-Man series show up in Doctor Strange. Maybe it'll be a totally new one. But, yeah, we thought that that was a a fun little news item, too. But that leads us to our mashup of E.T. and uh, Spider-Man. So... For those who don't know, in case you haven't seen E.T., it's a classic Spielberg movie. A uh, An alien comes down to Earth. He is particularly interested in plants. A uh, very peaceful alien. He's, he's collecting samples from Earth to return to his home planet. He gets stranded, and a little boy named Elliot finds him, befriends him, and then they have their little adventures together, and... It's a very sweet movie that made me cry so hard when I was a kid. <laughs> same, same. Uh, we've got an entire episode of our old podcast, The Brink, where we talk about Reese's Pieces, uh, which worked their way into that movie. Uh, but that's another story for another time. If you aren't familiar with Spider-Man... Um, Why are you listening to this podcast for? Yes, but, uh, you know, kid gets... Usually a kid, usually gets bit by a radioactive spider. Usually his uncle dies and he fights crime. Yes. Uh, There's so many versions. Uh, So I think I am going to opt for you to go first this week. Okay. Well, that worked out well for us last week. Here we go. This one is uh, Spider-Man Phone Home. They already gave me the title. All right. (laughs) Peter Parker has a problem. He's a geeky, unpopular kid in high school. He navigates a complex social world filled with bullies popularity-obsessed teens, and apathetic teachers who have been worn down by the system. Plus, his parents died in a plane crash a few years back, and now he lives with his aunt and uncle, May and Ben. On a high school field trip to Norman Osborne's science lab, Peter gets separated from his class after he takes a closer look at a high-energy physics experiment where a certain spider happens to be. Trying to catch up to his class, the young Mr. Parker accidentally goes into a highly restricted laboratory where he sees something astounding. Laying on the table is a squat, gray creature. It has a big head, long neck, rather stubby body, very long arms and fingers, short legs with big feet. Before he could even process what it is he's seeing, he hears people in the hall outside. Panicking, he ducks behind the table. In walks Norman Osborn barking orders at scientists to hurry up and prep for an alien dissection. Parker, horrified, makes a snap decision. As soon as the coast is clear, he frees the weird alien critter. He looks for a way to smuggle the little guy out of the building, quickly helping him into a mail cart and covering the little guy with mail. Little does he know, however, that the mail cart had just passed through that high-energy lab, 
and in that lab was that spider, which absorbed a tremendous amount of energy, and now that spider was also in the same mail cart. Parker, pushing the cart and keeping his head down, is able to maneuver through the labs pretty well. Most people don't even bother to look at him twice. But just as he gets to the lobby, he hears an odd little voice from inside the mail cart. Ouch. We flash into the cart and see that the spider has bitten the little alien right on the end of his glowing finger. The spider crawls away and the little alien, overwhelmed, loses consciousness. Parker, meanwhile, explains that he stubbed his toe to some concerned Osborne lab employees who heard the ouch, and he just tries to shrug it off. He makes his way outside and ditches the rest of his school day, pushing the cart across town to get back to Queens, which admittedly does take the rest of the day. He's <laughs> not back at his aunt and uncle's place until nightfall. He quietly manages to smuggle the alien into his home and learns from the alien that his name is, apparently, E.T. He also learns that the alien has a particular craving for Reese's Pieces. Parker is up all night, stressing about what he has done. He knows Osborne is going to be furious, and he hopes that no one tracks the alien napping back to him. And finally, he falls asleep. The next morning, Parker wakes up to the alien, standing on the ceiling. The little guy seems confused. He's also shooting webs everywhere. Parker tries to keep the situation contained, but it's pretty chaotic. E.T., meanwhile, has discovered some interesting properties of his own. Now, he can not only heal organisms, he can also wall crawl, he is much stronger than he was before, and he can sense danger. Parker convinces E.T. to chill out in his house while he goes to school. He gets a dressing down from his science teacher for having disappeared on a field trip, but he just keeps his head down. He's distracted. He's eager to get back and figure out what to do about E.T., and when he finally does get home, something amazing happens. In his aunt and uncle's house is a man that Parker recognizes. Tony Stark. Somehow, Stark has learned about the alien at Osborne's lab, and moreover, has managed to figure out that Parker was the one who helped the alien escape. He's charming May and Ben, waiting for Parker to get home, explaining that the young man has earned a grant from Stark Enterprises but it's all an excuse to go into Parker's room, where Stark meets E.T. And that's when we get the scene we've all been waiting for. Stark recruits E.T. into the Avengers, and E.T. becomes Spider-Alien, complete with a suit that doesn't fit so well, because let's be honest, dude's got a pretty weird shape to him. Stark and the alien make their goodbyes and leave Parker behind, though he does get the grant, and moreover, his uncle never stopped that awful robber so he, he gets to live, Parker goes on to be a distinguished scientist and lives a relatively normal life. He also turns on his heart light. The end. I loved that. That was so delightful and uplifting compared to some of your previous. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't. I mean, like there are so many other terrible ways I could have ended that. Right. So yes. and I had a couple of yes. different ideas, but like my original idea was was very different. But I want to hear yours. Sure. Well, that was an origin story. And this is more of like um ongoing adventure. So uh, I apologize, everybody, in advance. This is the heroic duo of Spider-Man and Little Guy in the saga of Otto Octavius. It's Earth-616, and Peter Parker is at his wit's end. Doc Ock has stolen a clone of his body again. 
You see, Doc Ox once cheated death when being returned to his timeline after a battle with a group called the Inheritors by housing his consciousness in an octobot and taking over Peter Parker's body. And Peter was able to push him out and Otto went into a living brain and then clone bodies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's too much to unpack here, so I digress. Anyhow. Each time Doc Ock showed up in a new body, he was more and more erratic, and Peter's web-slinging ways were just not working. So Peter decided to take a completely different tactic to fight Doc Ock and play mind games back. So to do so, he hacked into Doc Ock's psych profile and learned that Otto Octavius, that's Doc Ock for the layperson, was originally named Elliot Tolliver Thompson. He started having behavioral problems around the age of 10 after a classified encounter with some government agency codenamed Keys happened, eventually uh, changing his alias and moving to New York. Uh, he changed his name from Elliot uh, Otto Octavius, in case that wasn't clear. Uh, after hacking a little bit further, Peter learned that Elliot had developed an empathic connection with an extraterrestrial, or ET, and he helped ET escape the government agency, but ever since then, his mental health had been on the decline. Peter decided the only way to fix this was to use his resources at Parker Corp to send a distress signal to all the quadrants of all the known galaxies and try to call E.T. back to Earth. He left specific coordinates for where E.T. should meet him, and as a peace offering, left a large bowl of Reese's Pieces. Oh, man, dang it! He ate all of his Reese's Pieces on Stark's jet! All he had left now were Mary Jane's? Uh, the candy, not the drug. Oh, well, hopefully one nutty candy is as good as the next. So he left a large bowl of Mary Jane's for the alien to show that he meant no harm, and he waited. Soon enough, an alien ship landed and out walked E.T. Peter says, aw, hey there, little guy. And E.T. responds, not little guy, E.T. Peter starts to explain what's going on, but E.T. shushes him with one glowing finger saying, E.T. knows. Then he points to his chest and says, Elliot is right here. And a faint glow starts to appear. Peter knows what he what E.T. means and lifts E.T. off the ground and starts web-slinging to find Doc Ock, following E.T.'s glowing heart, which seems to go brighter and brighter as they get nearer and nearer to Doc Ock. They get to Doc Ock's lair, and Peter goes in first, knowing that Doc Ock has gotten exceptionally erratic and violent. And Doc Ock is about to throw one of his eight giant tentacles. I'm, I'm sorry, he's in Peter's body now. It's one of his eight spider legs when E.T. steps out from behind Peter and Doc Ock grazes E.T. instead, and E.T., of course, says, ouch. And uh, with a nod to the real Spider-Man, E.T. and Peter launch out into an all-out, debilitating attack on Otto versus Elliot. I mean, this fight was spectacular, with Peter slinging webs and jumping off walls, and E.T., well, well, you just have to see it to believe it. They finally prevail and get Otto slash Elliot tied up. E.T. realizes that Elliot was trapped in his brain by another consciousness, Mr. Keyes, the villainous government agent from Elliot's childhood, dun, 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 apparently had infected Elliot's consciousness with his own after E.T. had escaped in an effort to get E.T. back and recapture him. Of course, Spider-Man knew all of this empathically as uh, E.T.'s English was still not that great. Um, E.T. was sure he could separate Keyes from Otto, restoring him to his former Elliot persona as he was a much older and wiser E.T. and had spent had switched his, his focus from plants to people ever since he left Earth. But he needed a very simple computer to do it, something that could house a consciousness but not be reprogrammed for nefarious ways. Uh, so Peter scoured Doc Ock's lair and found an old speaking spell in the corner. E.T. Uh, said empathically, that's great, and removed Key's consciousness and put it into the speaking spell, restoring Otto to Elliot. Just uh, one last problem. 
Elliot was slash Otto was still in a clone of Spider-Man's body, but now that he wasn't Otto anymore and he was Elliot and he was nice, they couldn't really kill him. So they released him to, as E.T. would say, go home. And he moved back to San Fernando Valley to be the West Coast Superior Spider-Man and do some good making up for all of the bad he had done since he was 10. E.T. decided to stay on Earth as his sidekick and make sure he didn't get into future trouble. Besides, space didn't have Reese's Pieces. And he took on the persona Little Guy, because he kind of liked it when Peter called him that, to help Elliot fight crime on the West Coast. Keys, furious at being trapped in a speaking spell, yelled to get out, but the batteries were really old and low, and so you couldn't really make it out, and eventually the lights faded and the speaking spell stopped working, and it just laid in a dark corner of Doc Ock's forgotten lair. Um, I, you know, I don't know what happened to Keys. I guess we'll have to tune in next time for another exciting adventure of the heroic duo of Spider-Man and Little Guy to find out. Well... That's a that's a series that um I I I lament doesn't actually exist. <laughs> like I said sorry <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> well, that is you know this was a fun one. Uh, I will say that my original idea was that ET was going to be the irradiated spider and give Peter Parker uh uh not Spider-Man powers but ET man powers. That would have been but great. it just would have meant that he would have been kind of like Reed Richards because he'd be able to stretch his head <laughs> really far from his body mm-hmm. and then I guess make parts of him glow. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized it would be very difficult to do this and not make very juvenile jokes. So I backed away <laughs> quietly. I appreciate that. But if uh, any of our listeners know how to make that joke not juvenile, <laughs> you should write us... <laughs> You should write us and tell us about it um, and and share your own mashup. Yes, you can send us an email that is lnc at iheartmedia.com or you can drop us a line on Twitter where we are lnc underscore podcast and over at Facebook and Instagram, we're Large Nerdron Collider. Also remember, we have the website largenerdroncollider.com. That's where you can find every episode and the show notes as well. So you can actually go and Check out the various articles and trailers that we talk about so that you can form your own opinions. Yes. And, you know, if you like listening to us, tell your friends, make sure you subscribe, like, share our episodes. And, you know, we want to continue the conversation on with you. So let us know what topics you want to hear us talk about. Let us know your thoughts on video games. Uh, We look forward to geeking out. Yes. And until next time, she has been Ariel Kasten. And he has been Jonathan uh, Respawn Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.